Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. I'm not a hypochondriac in the sense of just constantly thinking that I'm sick, or constantly thinking that any irregularity in my bodily functions is a sign that I'm on the brink of dying. And for the most part, I can read about some kind of strange illness, but the one kind of illness that always freaks me out whenever I come across an anecdote about it is someone having a melanoma and not knowing that they had a melanoma. Like, they're looking at it every day. It's just, it's a mole on their shoulder or on their chest, and they don't really think about it. It's just this thing that is there, akin to all of the other moles and freckles on their body, and so they, whatever, they ignore it. And then when they finally get it, checked out like it's not even that they're getting the the thing checked out it's that they develop a cough they don't know what it is it doesn't go away it isn't a cold so they go to the doctor it turns out they have lung cancer that it's like the 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 melanoma has metastasized into their lung and as much as these anecdotes freak me out and they really freak me out but it, so it seems impractical that i would go and consult a dermatologist every single time i noticed a freckle that might not have been there in the past but that's the thing i have so many how do i keep inventory i can't like just tattoo a circle or a check mark on every mole that i have had investigate or maybe i can i guess technically you could do that just like a little notation like next to every mole that looked suspicious I'd get it like biopsied or just investigated. And then once I got the you're good from a dermatologist, I could then just go directly to a tattoo parlor and get a little check mark. But the other thing that inhibits me from ever wanting to go really ever to see a dermatologist is that there was one I saw for several years and I don't remember his last name. I do, however, seem to remember that his first name was Michael. He was way older, never smiled. Everything that he thought was even remotely suspicious, he wouldn't just want to biopsy it. He would just say, all right, yeah, let's just take that off. And obviously that sounds very like amputation-y. And any time he would suggest that, I'd be like, biopsy, it's still like, you know, just a little nick, like just scrape off what you need. And his answer, maybe this is legit. He would just be like, you know, it's easier to just take it off rather than shave off a little bit and then send it to get biopsied. And then the results come back. And if it turns out to be negative, you have to come all the way back. So let's just cut all this shit off of you now. And there would be times I would go and he would remove like five moles. And I don't mean to sound like I'm some kind of walking mushroom farm. I'm not like covered. I'm not, I'm not Braille the man. He would want them removed and just have, he would have no bedside manner. He was a huge fucking asshole. And then, but there was a time after college where this, like, there, there was not enough to occupy my mind. And I was just hanging out at bars, couldn't get a good job, just this part-time thing at a community college. And I started having these little hypochondriacal fixations on moles and freckles. And I would started going to him regularly of my own volition. And one time, like, I was there and he was checking checking out some moles and this and that. And I was like, dude, I, okay, I had noticed that I had one on my ass. And not in, like, a readily glimpseable part of my ass. It was, like, right where, the, where it cracks, right at the peak of the crack. So kind of like the base of the spine. But it was wedged. And you had to sort of 
You had to pull a Moses in order to get a good look at it. You had to sort of you part the seas. And so, like, I ask him in a cursory, you know, evasive way, like, hey, Doc, could you check out this thing on my forearm, this thing on my shoulder, or whatever? I got all these concerns. And so, systematically, he's going about it, and his eyelids are heavy, and his, you know, lower lip, he's got one of those lower lips that's like a hammock, and it dangles, and his lower, his bottom teeth are like a, a it, like if someone built a picket fence out of coffee. And so he's assessing me all over, and he's looking very bored. And then I was like, dude, because he started sort of wrapping things up and he was like, all right, any other concerns? And I was like, dude, yeah, I got this concern. I don't think you're going to like it. And he was like, what's the issue? He was, I have to give him credit for this. He was being very professional. And I was like, I think on my ass, there is like right at the crack of my ass, there is like a mole and I'm suspicious about it. And it's like very soft. I don't even know if you would call it a mole. It's maybe it's just a freckle. I just see it. And, and I, I was like, dude, can you just fucking check this out for me? Reason. And he was like, yeah, fine. And he like, he did a deep sigh. He communicated to me that I was making him uncomfortable, which is, you know what? What was the loss of making clear that he had no interest in looking at the crack of my ass? But anyways, I did not realize that a dermatologist's table is actually one of these flexi tables that can be adjusted and stuff. It makes sense because people will have moles and things that need to be investigated all over their body. So he's flying to the table and he has me sort of like pull my pants down, get face down on the thing. And then he's like, okay, where is it? And so I guide him and dude, it was not like, I remember this so cringingly. And then he just glances at it. So whatever, we find the spot, he glances at it and he goes, yeah, you're good. And then he like does a sort of not on my ass, but he does a like on the table, like, you know, okay, get dressed, pull, pull your pants up. But I hesitated because I was like, that did not seem like a very thorough investigation. And again, I'm not expecting tweezers and a spotlight and a protractor, but I was like, doc, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not pulling my pants up just yet. I really want you to take a look at this. And uh, to his credit, without really much more drama, he um, he pulled a Moses and um, he investigated and he studied. And for all I know, he was looking at the ceiling. I mean, he just, I, but he was there and he was like, no, it's nothing. I, I promise. Here are the things you ought to be concerned with. Irregular borders. Does it, does the, does the mole look more black than, than brown? And, and then there were like, there wasn't much eye contact in the remainder of that appointment. And uh, yeah, he was professional toward the end, and then uh, I never visited that doctor again. And you know what? I feel like that's fitting. But anyways, that's that story. The other thing I've been thinking about is extraterrestrials. You've probably been thinking about them too. They have been in the news because some dude, I think his last name is Grosch, G-R-U-S-C-H or G-R-U-C-H. He worked with the CIA or something for many years, and then he was like, yo, there is some, like, spaceships that the government has, and uh, there's partial spaceships and fully intact spaceships. Some of them are from one species of non-human life, some are from another species of non-human life. Anyways, this dude testified before Congress for, like, 11 hours. And now he's, like, on News Nation. I don't know if that's really a viable, like, a legitimate news platform and he's giving these in-depth interviews about what's the nature of these crafts and how do they travel and what are the species that's piloting them and the way like it's this happens all the time that people come from some government position and they're like we've got aliens and there's proof and i'm gonna tell the world it's time for the people to know 
that reminds me, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk shit because I'm sure these people were like told they had to do it. But something, I, I think this is maybe 12 or 15 years ago when the first Conjuring movie came out. Um, it might have been the second one, but there was one of those like Warner Brothers featurettes where they're trying to like arouse interest in the movie. <laughs> they interviewed a family that lived in a house where. Dude, it might not have even been the Conjuring movies. Anyways, it was like one of their little low-budget horror movies that's presumably based on a real story about some haunting in some bohunk house in some bohunk town. And in this, like, featurette, they've got the fa they're showing the family that lives now in the house where these paranormal events took place. And they're very white. It's a very white family. And, um, they are, um... Rotund. You know what? They seem very nice. It's a very simple, plain family sitting in a very simple, plain house, and they're being interviewed um, about the paranormal events that took place at this house years and years ago. And this woman who's, I guess she's like the matriarch of the family, she's like, it was, it was frightening. I was frightened. And then Warner Brothers, in their editing of the video, they've got all that like, <laughs> like all those creepy horror movie noises and then they cut to another plain very white friendly uh person they're very banal interviews being spliced together with like high octane hollywood editing sound effects <laughs> and then the way it concluded because obviously those little featurettes they're like six minutes and they have to conclude with some sort of hook to make you want to go see the movie and uh i guess we were supposed you know the off-camera question is like so why are you telling the story now why didn't you why are you why'd you wait till now and the matriarch is looking she's like oh, and she looks at the sky like she's like jesus help me and she looks at the camera and she goes we did not <laughs> We did not think the world was ready. And she just, it comes out, it comes out so brokenly and so clumsily. You can tell she was told to say it and like, okay, Lorraine, you didn't think the planet Earth was ready to hear a story about how like the pitchfork in your barn moved on its own. The only reason this one stands out is because the dude did get like gave a, an 11 hour testimony in front of Congress, which means that if he, it turns out that he is lying, he's going to go to prison. Now, is it inconceivable that someone would tell an 11 hour lie in order to get 15 minutes of fame? It's not inconceivable at all. I'm sure people do it all the time. But I don't know. I'm just being very Fox Mulder about it. Like, I want to believe, but I'm so reflexively skeptical about any of these. Yeah, I keep I keep finding new posts about it, and then I get excited, and then in, in a boyish way, I recount all of the information to Marie, and then only, I don't know why it's, it is this way. Only once I have finished running her through the gamut of this information do I pause, and like, I suddenly, concussively, abruptly, overhear everything I just said. I overhear it at once and I think, wow, I'm a fucking idiot. There's no reason for me to be believing in this. And if I do, that's fine. I can just believe it in my heart. Because this has the veneer of legitimacy, I was reading pretty widely about it over the weekend and I found this one take that was really interesting, 
which is, okay, let's say hypothetically that this dude who has come forward and is now saying all of these things about spacecrafts that we have harbored, um, you know, for X number of decades, he says that we, get, we got the first one from Italy in, in like 1945. Let's say hypothetically that the government is, is, it's all a hoax, that it's misinformation. Well, why would it be misinformation? And then someone made the case that like, seeing as we stand presumably on the brink of a war with Russia and or China, this could be a gesture from the U.S. like trying to make it seem to them like a flex saying we have been, we have spent the past 80 years reverse engineering fucking spaceships. And so if you want to go to war, you are you're totally welcome to find out what our weapons capabilities are, all you have to do is fuck around, and we, you will gladly find out. I just, I don't know. It's, it was an interesting theory. I don't know if that's particularly true, but I do notice that whenever I give voice to it, I urgently, immediately, hastily am like, I don't know if that's really true. Once I have rounded the bend of making my point, I realize this is a point that should not have been made. Anyways, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time.